Welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we have with us Christopher Nelson, the principal and co-founder at Wealthward Capital. Christopher, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited to be here. It's our pleasure. We're excited as well. We know you're going to add a lot of value, talk about some concepts we haven't heard about yet. So very excited for that. So before we get into this, because we're going to jam-pack this episode with a lot of value, I'd like to know, who is Christopher Nelson? All right. So Christopher Nelson, standing in front of you, I am a husband and a father of three boys. I strive to be a father first and then a businessman. And my vocation is a technology executive. You can see on the wall back here, I've been at a number of tech companies, uh, worked my way up to executive positions, gone through an IPO, trying for a second. And I'm also a real estate investor and super passionate about it. Awesome. So how did a technology executive get into real estate and passive investing? Well, I'll tell you this, it's when you're in technology and you're making money that is given to you in equity and you're in the market, and then you're also investing in stocks as well, as we're taught to put money in our 401ks and IRAs, at some point you start looking for income. Where is my income going to come Mm -hmm. from? And I think like many people, you pick up a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's book and he gets you to that, you know, passive income, that fourth quadrant. And I think for all of us, when you start looking around at whether other investments there are, real estate really makes sense. And so it was truly going through an IPO, generating a ton of wealth, being overexposed in the market, really accelerated our focus for how do we diversify our portfolio into real estate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very interesting. So are there any specific challenges that face technology employees specifically when it comes to passive investing? There are a number of challenges, quite honestly, Dan. I think that, number one, technology employees, you know, they they really don't know who to trust. Technology employees tend to be very intelligent and very skeptical. They're skeptical Mm -hmm. of a lot of traditional institutions, which is great. This has led to a lot of disruption. This is where you see companies reinventing a lot of things that we traditionally understand because they're skeptical of how it works and why. So when you think it applies to wealth management the same way when they look at wealth management and wait i'm going to give you my money and whether the market goes up or down uh you're still going to get compensated there there's not a lot of incentive for you to work hard for me so they realize it doesn't work but then they're also very busy so they don't know where to start so it's Mm. a big challenge for technology employees to really try and understand who can they trust and how to get started in moving into real estate And this is also exacerbated by the fact that many technology employees live in high cost of living areas. So the real estate that they could invest in may not be right in front of them. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So what are you doing in particular to help kind of maybe break some of those uh, barriers and help technology uh, employees break into passive investing? Well, what I'm trying to do, number one, is just educate, Dan. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to talk, speak into my community and, and, and try and be somebody who my, the focus of Wealthward Capital is to just be incredibly transparent. And our, our philosophy is we're investing our dollars, we're creating our portfolio, other technology employees, learn what we're doing by watching what we do. And then also us being incredibly transparent with everything that we're doing. And then 
to help them out, we're providing done for you investments so that that is an opportunity to show them here's where you start. Here's where you can start generating some passive income. And then we have a, a strategy and a philosophy that shows them how do you go from your initial cash flow to passive investing pro? Mm -hmm. How do you really think about transitioning to one or two investments to I actually have cash flow that can cover all of my expenses and now I want to do this full time? Sure. So it sounds like you're being incredibly transparent and you're helping to break down some of those barriers just through simple education about passive investing. Simple education. And, and you're right. And, and then also being able to pull the threads and, and really, uh, you know, talk about all of the things that I've discovered, because I think I'm, I'm sort of leveraging the Sherpa model, which is I'm you know, further ahead of them on the mountain and I'm coming back to really try and show them what is the path, be transparent about the mistakes that I've made, the challenges that I've had, so they can actually then end up having a better result than I've, I've had, quite frankly. I love it. I mean, that's that's great. That's what's really important about having a leader and a mentor and someone who's going to guide you is that, like you said, they've been up the mountain before. They know what to look for. They know what lies ahead and they can help guide you. So that's really awesome. Kudos to you on that. So I understand that you're also an author, right? That you have a book from no dough to IPO. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, well, yes, Dan. So it's it's so interesting that as I got into real estate and I really started honing my craft as an investor, the one thing that I realized, and I experienced this myself, is that many times technology employees don't think of themselves as investors of their time and their talent. And they actually end up making very high risk investments of their time and talent, when in reality, if they really understood their risk and really how much money they wanted to make, there's actually a lot of opportunity for them to generate equity if they think like an investor. And so this is truly the essence of Nodo to IPO, which is how do you uh, really search out the best companies thinking almost like a stock investor and being able to select them and then uh, negotiating very well for the value of your time and talent that I call your career capital to then you know, exchange it for ownership in these companies. Awesome. Now, if one of our viewers wants to read or get their hands on from Nodo to IPO, how can they get that? Well, so it's going to be out on Amazon later this summer. So uh, it, July, August is the is the time frame. And then if they want to, you know, come to wealthword.com, which is my website, and get on my email list. I'm talking about the book as part of my regular communication, so that people can be informed and be a part of the launch. That's awesome. Okay. Well, kudos to you, and, and good luck with the launch. I'm really glad that you know you're clearly interested and passionate about spreading knowledge and information and helping people. So I love that. I appreciate that. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you so much, Dan. So tell us a little bit about what markets and asset classes that you've invested in historically and what you're doing now. So Dan, we, you know, really started my, my wife and I made a transition from the Bay area to Austin, Texas about four years ago. And the, the, this master thesis on the markets of Central Texas, which is you know, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio, was just really right in front of us. And it was once we got boots on the ground to see the amount of jobs and companies that are moving to the area, and then also the amount of people. So uh, really, we started off with some single family homes. And then I think like it, you know, technology executives, you think, okay, now I've done a 
you know, minimum viable product, an MVP or a POC, a proof of concept, how do I scale it? So when you think about single family homes, scaling it is going multifamily. Yeah. And so we focused uh, from 2017 to even now, we focused on value add multifamily in Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio. And we built out a portfolio of 10 buildings. It was eight transactions that have us uh, managing 3,000 units uh, wow. around a value of $300 million. And so we're wow. syndicated into that. So our group is a part owner of all of those, but uh, that's what we've built today. Wow, that's incredible. What's that experience been like shifting into multifamily for you? Uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I don't think it's been, I mean, I think shifting into multifamily and syndications with what I've experienced in certain portions of my job in technology. So I, you know, sit at, at software companies and I actually help buy software to run the company. So I'm in a lot of negotiations. I look at a lot of contracts. I try and understand how do we create win-win situations for both sides. That's something that I think has translated very well into uh, working in multifamily and also putting syndications together. I think the other thing is, as you mentioned before, my passion to technology employees of helping them diversify into passive income has really created a great pool of investors who are eager to learn and who really want to get exposure to some of these markets outside of California. So those are a couple things. I think the experience, like anything else, and I was really I was writing about this to send out to my newsletter today, is that, you know, Investing is a skill. I think many people believe that it's this, you know, you have to get PhDs or you have <laughs> to get special certifications to be a capable investor. And you really don't. There's some basic fundamentals. So I think mindset is saying it's a skill. You just have to learn it, get in the game. And then what I always tell everyone is you learn and then you do and then you manage. And I think that those are those are the steps that have really allowed me to iterate, scale, and grow the portfolio. Love it. I love your attitude of creating those win-wins. You know, I, that's I'm a big advocate of a win-win because when you create a win-win, what you essentially are doing is creating an atmosphere where people have no choice but to continue to work together because everyone's winning. A hundred percent. And and that's the other thing that goes, I think, to my business and and why like I in building this business as if I'm the customer, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm the tech employee. I've had the significant exit. So I'm really trying to, you know, do something for others that I would want done for me. Sure. Love it. So we've talked about your IPO. We talked about your tech background. We talked about your from no dough to IPO, your transition into multifamily, but that's not it, right? There's more. I, I, based on our conversation, I understand that you're also invested in ATMs. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So ATMs, automated teller machines, it was a bit of a surprise to me as well that uh, this was an investment that really just started taking off. And the more I dug into the market and I started doing due diligence, I was really blown away by uh, the head, uh, sorry, the tailwinds that ATMs have today. Because I think as a technology employee, we see everyone moving to Zelle, we see everyone moving mm -hmm. to Venmo, and we think, okay, cash is going away. The reality is, is there's a large portion of our population that still relies on cash. That is the unbanked, the underbanked. Mm -hmm. And right now, I mean, we're talking about 30% or 40 million Americans really rely on cash transactions daily. Uh, we also see there's some other significant 
tailwinds for ATMs right now. Number one, many financial institutions are closing underperforming branches. This was accelerated by 2020 because now banks want to take underperforming real estate off of their balance sheet. Sure. So there was an article that came out in NPR a couple of weeks ago that was talking about how in rural areas, it, it, branches are closing so fast it's shocking. They're putting ATMs yes. there because ATMs and the tech and the technology behind them are really a bank in a box now. They can do yep. a lot more transactions, right? You and I grew up with, okay, you'd go and withdraw cash, you do a balance trans or you do a, some transfers between accounts and you find your balance. Now you can do deposits, you can transfer money overseas, you may even get gift cards from them. So this, these are some of the significant tailwinds that we see right now for ATMs. And so uh, my wife and I made an investment in 2019 into an institutional quality fund. We got steady returns through 2020 and we thought, okay, let's partner with this team and let's bring this to our group of investors so that they can experience the great returns as well. Wow, that's super interesting. Now, are you actually going out and buying physical ATMs? T tell us a little bit about the technical side of this. Okay, so uh, at, at the end of the day, right, we're looking for things that are really passive. So, so my wife and I are not on the operations side, right? We're here uh, creating funds, being capital partners, and finding the best investments. But the operators that we've done due diligence on, essentially what they do is they go and look for uh, ATMs that have have they get the the data from the last two years and they want to understand the transactions and then they go in to negotiate to bring brand new technology to those locations and operate them much more efficiently so that's how they compete right and then at the end of the day atms make money because of the the transaction fees sure. and then also the foot traffic and so that's just the basic combination Interesting. So you're inv investing more on the passive side in an existing operation. Is that what I'm understanding? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Interesting. Okay, cool. So tell me a little bit more about why ATMs over, you know, conventional real estate and, and maybe what the difference is from your perspective. Well, I, I think, Dan, it's it's not a, a ATMs over real estate. I think it's really the power of ATMs and real estate. What mm. we've come to understand is that the differences in the both become very, very complementary. But it is also something that real estate investors need to get their heads, heads around. So real estate in and of itself is a high appreciating asset. So while we get depreciation on it, we're going to sell it for more than we bought it for. That's truly the strategy of, you know, multi-add, uh, sorry, value-add multifamily or, or any other real estate in general. ATMs, on the other hand, are a high depreciating asset. You're buying that asset and it is actually starting from value and going to zero where you're essentially selling it for parts. Why is that important? It changes the flavor of the depreciation. In real estate, if you sell out of something, you're gonna have to actually then roll that into something else to make sure that you don't get taxed on that appreciation. Sure. In a high depreciating asset, that depreciation is non recapture, hmm. non recapture depreciation. So when you bring that to your balance sheet, in addition to the very high cash flow, because ATMs are bought with no leverage. So that means that you don't have a debt payment. So that means that you're looking at high double digit returns on your cash flow. That is one of the biggest differences that 
is very complementary. So right now we're transitioning, we're selling a couple of the buildings in the portfolio. We don't have a 1031 exchange. This diversification into ATMs allows us to take this bonus depreciation in year one. So we're still then, you know, not having to uh, pay the tax man right now. Super interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with our viewers. It's definitely something we haven't yet talked about, uh, you know, in 80 something episodes here on the show. So listen, Christopher, uh, you've been through so much. You've got an incredible background, quite varied. You know, I can see your passion and your your drive to educate and inspire others. I'd like you to share with our viewers your top three pieces of advice. So my top three pieces of advice are this. Number one is, I think, understanding that investing is a skill and that you can do it. I mean, it's a true mindset shift, but I think that's so important because I think there is a, an entire industry that's trying to convince us that it's more complicated than it is. That's number one. Number two is always get grounded in the fundamental. And I know people don't like to hear about math, but at the end of the day, understanding the underlying fundamentals, the math behind real estate, the math behind ATMs, that is going to save you a ton of pain. And then number three is get in the game, whatever it takes, get off the sidelines, get in the game, because I'll tell you this, when you've got money on the line, I will say that nine times out of 10, you're paying attention, you're seeing That's what's right. going on, you're really going to manage. So those would be the three things that I would say, Dan. Awesome. Love it. Investing is a skill. Stay grounded in the fundamentals and get in the game. I love it. You know, I've interviewed so many people, Christopher, and especially that last one, getting in the game and taking action. That's a carryover that every single highly successful individual that I interview always states is a key piece of advice. So listen, Christopher Nelson, principal and co-founder at WealthWord Capital. Thank you so much for taking the time to give our viewers so much value here on Dan on Top. Well, thanks so much, Dan, and uh, appreciate you. And if your investors want to learn more about ATMs, they can go to investinatms.com and find out more. There you go. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another great episode of Dan on Top, and I'll look forward to seeing you soon.